Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Books and Booze, our basement book club. I am Skylar, also known as the Skywalker. And with me today is the sobbing Jessica and the hysterical Amanda. <laughs> and today we are covering book two of the Akatar series, A Court of Mist and Fury. I always get them, the second and third book mixed up. Mm -hmm. They're right there for reference. They are, but I have to like... I believe in you. Crane my neck to see it. Hmm. So how's it going, guys? Jessica? Wonderful. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Amanda, how are you? Same. <laughs> Same. All things are good. <clears throat> really good. No complaints on this side after reading that book. So, mm -mm. how's it going for you, uh, Skywalker? I can't. I, I know can't. I can't either. I tried. I can't do it. I tried to even like. Ah. No, even listening to you say it, it was weird. Makes and me cringe. Awkward. Yeah, I know. I know it's your thing. I know it's your thing with your dad and your brother. Whatever. But it's, but it's not your thing here. I just not. It's not my thing. Maybe it's because we don't have radio names. Okay, well, let's come up with some radio names. But I still don't think that we could, like... <laughs> and I'm not going to be like, what do you think, Skywalker? <laughs> yeah, that's not this kind of podcast. They don't... They only use it as an introduction for me. Well, same here. Every, every other time they say my name in any of the podcasts, it's always Skylar. Mm. The very rare Better. glimpse of somebody being like, Skylar, oh, I mean the Skywalker. It is what it is. Sure, I much sure. prefer your normal name. <laughs> Skywer. It's just it's just weird. It's all good. It's okay. We yeah. just use it for our intro too, so. Yep. You guys just be jealous of my cool radio name. Oh, the coolest. Yeah. It's not original. <laughs> <laughs> you stole it. I didn't come up with it. Huh? Don't blame me. It's a stolen name. It's okay. I'll let you have your your five seconds at the beginning, and then that's it. We'll go from there. That's all I need, really. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Um, I am drinking water. Because I drank a lot the last two days. So my choice tonight is the good old H2O. What were you drinking all weekend? Um, <coughs> what was I not drinking all weekend? Well, um, all right. I had some, some gross like vodka lime shots. Not that great. Hmm. But whatever. Um. Some whiskey in there, some whiskey and Coke. I had, I think, like, I had some Twisted Tea Classic, and then I think yesterday I had a couple beers. It wasn't as crazy, but Friday was the hard liquor stuff, and yeah, it was a lot. All right. A lot, a lot. So I'm drinking water because <laughs> I need am to hydrate. very dehydrated. Exactly. 
Exactly. What are you drinking tonight, Sky? I am also drinking water. <laughs> yeah. I have been working on a migraine mm-hmm. for a majority of the day and just decided that water was the best choice for tonight. That's smart. That's very smart. Smart man. It's it's the weather. I swear to God, it's the weather. Mm-hmm. It's driving my head crazy. It's turning into court and books and booze, non-alcoholic edition. <laughs> <laughs> we could all have our days. Mm-hmm. I mean, yours was a couple days. <laughs> the yeah. last few days. <laughs> I know. Hot mess. I've got coffee and Bailey's, so. That sounds good. It's not too bad. I mean, even though it's late night and it's coffee and I've I think I've been nursing this coffee all day, and then I just added some Baileys, and it's yeah. not too bad. What kind of coffee is it? I don't know. Starbucks Keurig K-Pod thing. Oh, okay. It's uh, the Starbucks fancy. breakfast blend medium roast. Oh. Breakfast blend's usually a light roast. <laughs> thought you told me to grab the medium roast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know breakfast blend had a medium roast. I'm pretty I thought sure that's, what, that's it meant, what it meant, was that it was light. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's not too it's bad. a light medium roast. <laughs> Love me some coffee. Honestly, no shame though drinking coffee at night. I'm pretty sure I did that when we did the call guys one year. No, when we did the uh, books to movies episode with them way back oh, when. Yeah, I definitely had coffee that night. That sounds about right. At like eleven. Yeah, that was late. Yeah, because that started at eleven. Yeah, yeah, it was a long night, but I <laughs> totally got teased for having coffee, so no shame. Yeah, it doesn't, coffee doesn't really give me the, like, a caffeine kick or anything. So it's not like I'm one of those people that's going to be up all night now. Especially because it's not strong at all. It's just, like, essence of coffee flavor. But it's got Baileys in it. Put you right to sleep. Probably not. No. No. Hopefully the Baileys doesn't make her sick, because I'm pretty sure that bottle is older than Aspen. No, the Carolyn's Irish cream was the old one, mm. and that got dumped. But the Baileys was just fine. We're safe. We're safe. Yep. No worries, Sky. Skywalker. No, let's just not. <laughs> I like it. I can't say it, though, unless I'm saying it sarcastically. So. Yeah, well, that's what I tried to do, and it just came out awkward. You know, like most things I do. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should dive into the synopsis. Yeah. um, You have to say it without getting all giddy or crying. I will will do my best. (laughs) For the audio. (laughs) This one, um, I actually went into a little more detail than last time where it was just like a brief brief synopsis is when I did like a summary on like I not not nearly as long as what we did for um the throne of glass series but it is a little more descriptive all right so a uh, court of mist and fury was published in 2016 page count is 656 trigger warnings include sexual assault physical and emotional abuse murder torture PTSD genre is fantasy After their traumatic experiences under the mountain, Feyre tries to resume normal life with Tamlin, who is now her uh, betrothed. Feyre has been resurrected as a high fae after her death, and as she prepares for her wedding to Tamlin, she is tormented by memories of the murders she committed to save him and his people. 
Also traumatized by Feyre's death, Tamlin has become possessive and domineering. He keeps Feyre locked in his manor for safety despite her desire to help with the duties of the court. On their wedding day, Feyre internally panics, wishing to stop the ceremony, and before they can exchange their vows, Resand, the High Lord of the Night Court, appears and calls in the bargain he made with Feyre during her imprisonment under the mountain. Feyre agreed to spend one week per month at the Night Court. Despite Tamlin's enraged objections, Rhys whisks her away. Feyre resents Reese's arrogance, but she finds far more freedom in the night court than Tamlin allowed her in the spring court, and Reese agrees to train Feyre in her new powers. To resurrect Feyre, each of the seven High Lords of Prithian gave her a small part of their power, but she doesn't yet know how to access um, all of those. As Reese trains Feyre, attraction develops between them. Feyre meets the other members of Reese's inner circle, Cassian, his general, Azriel, his spymaster, Morrigan, his liaison between the Court of Dreams and the Court of Nightmares, and Amran, an otherworldly creature in the body of a high fae, and Reese's second-in-command. Feyre begins to see them as an extended family as time goes on. Feyre returns to the spring court after her week, where Tamlin tries to force her to become his spy on Reese and the night court. After continued restriction by Tamlin, he eventually locks Feyre in the manor despite her protests. She has a mental breakdown, panic attack of sorts, and subconsciously destroys the room around her. Um, her distress is felt by Reese down the bargain, and he and Moore come to rescue her. Feyre escapes to the night court and decides to leave Tamlin. Reese soon reveals Valaris to Feyre, the city of starlight. Valaris is the heart of the night court, a secret city untouched by Amarantha or any enemies who came before her. As part of Feyre's early training, Reese takes her to the prison deep below the mountains of the night court, and there the bone carver tells them that the king of Highburn, who Amarantha served, has recovered the legendary lost cauldron and plans to use it to shatter the wall dividing the human and fairy realms. According to legend, the cauldron is the creator of their entire world and all things were made from it. They discover that the Book of Breathings contains a spell to neutralize the cauldron's power, but half of the book is kept in the summer court and the other half was given to the mortal queens during the um, war treaty. Reese and Feyre resolve to acquire the book, infiltrate Highburn, and nullify the cauldron. Reese tests Feyre to prepare her for the search of the book. He has her sneak into the weaver's cottage to steal back a ring he lost. The weaver, a blind fairy witch, has sharp senses and deadly magic. When Feyre retrieves the ring, the weaver becomes aware of her and locks her inside the cottage. Feyre escapes up the chimney, barely eluding the weaver and injuring her in the process. Reese becomes confident that Feyre can find the Book of Breathings, since she was able to sense the ring. Reese, Feyre, and his inner circle winnow to the summer court. After days of flirtatious deception with Tarquin, High Lord of the Summer Court, Feyre learns the whereabouts of his half of the Book of Breathings. Feyre and Amran locate and steal it, almost to their demise. Thankfully, they were saved from drowning by relatives of the water wraith that Feyre helped in the spring court with the tithe. Reese and Feyre plan to meet with the mortal queens at her family's estate and ask for the other half of the book. The mortal queens do not trust easily, so as a token of good faith, Reese agrees to reveal a secret. Him and his group journey to the Hewn City, deep within the Court of Nightmares, to steal a magic truth orb as proof of Valaris' existence. Reese and his inner circle don the masks they must show any time in the Court of Nightmares, 
and Feyre plays her part well, too. Feyre and Reese begin to care deeper for each other, and Feyre... Yeah. And Feyre feels that the Night Court is her home. Reese shows the Queen's Valaris through the orb, but they still refuse to give up the book. After they leave, Reese realizes the youngest queen secretly leaves a package, the other half of the book, and a note warning them not to trust the other queens. Amran struggles to translate the ancient language of the Book of Breathings, and Reese and Feyre are attacked with ash arrows while training. Um, weapons that negate fairy power. Reese is severely injured and falls from the sky, but Feyre is unharmed. She finds Reese being tortured in a cave, and enraged, she accesses her power, killing his captors and winnowing him back to the night court. She also captures the Surreal again to ask how best to cure Reese, and discovers that they are mates, a sacred bond even deeper than marriage, and that Reese knew and never told her. Furious, she heals Reese enough for him to winnow them back to the Illyrian camp and has more winnow her away to a secluded cabin where she rediscovers her love of painting and moves past her anger. Several days later, Reese visits Feyre and tells her why he withheld the truth, confessing years of past trauma. They plan to sneak to Hybern's castle and nullify the cauldron's magic. Before they can carry out their plan, the King of Hybern's soldiers attack Valaris, uh, which was sold out by the mortal queens. Cassian, Azriel, Amran, and Feyre defend the city and rout the king's forces. They prepare for their mission to Highburn, but Reese must remain at a distance because his presence can be traced. Cassian, Azriel, Feyre, and more fly to the island of Highburn, sneak inside the castle, and Feyre leads them to an underground chamber where they find the cauldron. Just as Feyre is about to utter the spell, the king places a dampening spell on their magic and forces them to his throne room. There, he reveals the mortal queens, who were secretly his allies, Rhys, and Feyre's captive sisters. Tamlin and Lucian step out of, out of the shadows. They have also struck a bargain with the king, allowing him to use the spring court as a base in exchange for the king's returning Feyre to Tamlin. Feyre agrees to go to Tamlin to save everyone, but mentally urges Rhys to escape with his inner circle. They do so, winnowing out through the protective spells that Feyre has broken. Back at the night court, Reese reveals Feyre will be his spy on Tamlin and the king, working to destroy them from within, and reveals that she is now High Lady of the Night Court. So there's a All lot right. to unpack there. <laughs> okay. So. Let's start at the beginning. Yeah. I need to breathe what? normally <laughs> because I feel like I'm like, <laughs> I know <Okay. laughs> I'm getting emotional already. I know. I know. Stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was anyway, beginning the beginning. So like <clears throat> when they, does it open with Feyre in a nightmare being sick? Is that like the beginning the very beginning there, I think. It sounds right. Yeah. So, like, how were you feeling about that whole, like, first couple chapters of that just seemed like it was constant PTSD from both yeah. her and Tamlin? <laughs> yeah. So, I think I said, after we read 
A Court of Thorns and Roses that I was curious to see where it was going to go because she's now Fae and has to adjust to this new body, the idea of being immortal, but she still has this human soul, human heart, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So I knew that that was going to go there. I didn't expect so much detail with the PTSD, but I really appreciated it. Um, it was very, very real. And I think it was a good depiction, knowing what we know now and how her relationship with Tamlin ended up, mm-hmm. that she was going through these things and he was also going through these things, but no one was talking about it. Yeah, that was that was really um, rough to read mm-hmm. because I, when I read this for the first time and like even the second time now that I've read it, I was just like, why aren't you comforting, comforting each other? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why are you not doing this? Yeah. I don't understand. And I think, and I think to some extent they didn't know what to say, but I think going through those things alone is not healthy by any means. And so I think it, it was the start of what put so much strain on their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like if even if you don't know what to say about because usually when someone doesn't know how to like communicate, it's like they don't know how to communicate how they feel. Mm-hmm. Not as common that they don't know how to just be there for somebody. You know what I mean? So it's like even like in the case of Tamlin, who it doesn't seem like he knew what to say. It was like, well, why aren't you still there? Just just being there. Right. You know what I just mean? Just being present. It just tell drove me, me nuts. Tell me how he didn't wake up whenever she would get up out of bed to go throw up. Oh, I'm sure he absolutely did. And he just was like, I'm just going to wait And he here. just didn't address it. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, that's the vibe I get. Is that it was totally, yeah. they were totally mutually aware. Yeah. So they were but, just going through all this shit on their own and trying to figure it out on their own. Yeah. And it didn't end well. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that she, I mean, she's going through all this stuff. And then on top of that, he's leaving her out of all these big things that are going on. And so she knows that they're constantly going out on these missions. She doesn't know what's happening or where they're going or if there's a threat. Mm-hmm. And she feels babied. Yeah. Like... And she's trying to figure out this new this new body that she's in because she's faster, she feels stronger, but then feels useless at the same time because she's not being allowed to do anything. Well, and I mean, if you if you really think about it, in the first book, the first half of the first book, she takes care of herself, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the book, yet again, she's taking care of herself. Yeah, absolutely. So we jump back into the second book, and she's not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. At all. Mm-hmm. She's being waited on hand and foot. I mean. She can't even go out for a walk. Right. By herself. Yeah. Yeah. She can't even go out for a walk with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that. It would drive you nuts. It would drive you insane. Yeah. And in a sense, because there, there was that one moment when Lucian is trying to explain to her, like, you know, when you died, that was the worst moment of Tamlin's life yeah which I understand and I understand he wants to protect her so that does not happen again I fully understand that however that doesn't mean put a leash on her you know Mm -hmm. 
This might be the feminist in me talking. Oh, absolutely. I, I get but it. It was he was strangling her. She says that herself. Mm-hmm. It was too much. It was too much. And yep. I don't think but I don't think he was doing it out of bad intentions. I think he was just he just went too far with it. It's like I mean, definitely emotionally constipated. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But but then when she tried to explain that, he also didn't listen. No, but because he just shut it down. Like yeah. he he not the talk it through kind of guy. No, definitely not. So and when it was just so rough to read yeah that you you could just every sentence you could read the deterioration of them mm-hmm. yeah it was not good it was well tough. that that event where people had to come and pay taxes the tilth the tithe tithe okay so i thought that was interesting when that whole situation happened because they're both sitting there people are coming forth paying their taxes or whatever and then that woman from who couldn't pay the water wraith the water wraith right and Feyre's sitting there like you know show some mercy and he's sitting there and he's like this is how things have always been done this is what my father did and then i was like didn't we say in book one that you didn't want to be like your dad didn't you say that yourself that yeah. you never wanted to be like your father oh but you know just like uh lucian points <laughs> out it's a volatile point now after this under the mountain deal and they have to be strict and have no mercy and show a united front Mm -hmm. and so it's like but like don't you don't you think that don't you think that you should be very merciful after this right very caring and and you know want to rebuild things physically but emotionally and you know with your court and oh but he gave them three extra months so it's okay yeah, they can pay. It'll be all right. Gosh. It was just it was so I was, annoying. You're just contradicting everything that you said that you didn't want to be in book one. Yep. And now here we are after everything is good now. We're rebuilding and trying to get where we want to be. But yep. there was like no dream there of something better. It's just let's just go back to the way we were before Amarantha. But this is how my father did it. He set this in place. The spring court is very feudal. You know, it's like stuck in the old ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't charge our people taxes, but three times a year we expect them to pay us anyway. Or, you know, it's stuff like that. That just, I mean, to me it almost makes sense that Tamlin's like, well, I don't want to be like my father, but... Tradition is more important than the way I feel. Well, and I think, I mean, in all fairness, I do think a factor of it is um, what they did have to deal with under the mountain, you know, mm-hmm. and and the things leading up to it, you know, all of the, you know, the stress of the, whatever you want to call it, not a, not a bargain, not a challenge of. I got nothing. Um, you know, like her her time limit of when he had to complete the thing. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I, to be fair, you know, like I think Feyre mentions at one point how she definitely, I mean, 
uh, obviously more than physically, but mentally changed um, under the mountain. I'm sure he did too. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously he's got PTSD going on, but like, th- I'm sure that did change him as a person. And so maybe part of the get back to normal, get back to what we used to be, keep tradition, keep the things we know is to try and grasp that little bit of normalcy of Mm -hmm. what used to be because right now you're so messed up that you have like you're so lost in the new that the old seems comfortable you know what I mean yeah it's like I can I can see why Mm -hmm. that would be how it is I mean doesn't make it right but I mean I mean this book is written in Feyre's perspective and as much as I understand how she felt suffocated and like she was drowning and just completely pushed out of everything I, I understand why Tamlin's doing what he's doing. I do. That, like you said, that doesn't make it okay mm-hmm. because he's not communicating these things well or his thought process or anything, not giving yeah. her any sense of leeway. But I don't hate him. Yeah, you can see you can see all sides. Doesn't mean you agree with them and doesn't mean that it's necessarily right, but you right. can see why the actions are how they are and the mm-hmm. thought process that goes along with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't hate the guy. No. Yeah. Nope. So. I, I think I, I don't hate him at this point or necessarily dislike him at this point, but I feel bad for him. Yeah. Um, in his mental state. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for him and how he's treating her, but you yeah. know what I mean? Whereas, at the last part of A Court of Thorns and Roses, I was just mad at him yeah. for how he was behaving under the mountain. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not necessarily as mad at him as I do f- feel bad for him. Right. Now do I think that they should have gotten back and two months later propose and then in month three get married? Good God, Absolutely no. not. I don't think that you was a smart decision. too messed up for that. <laughs> yeah, I just think they're just, they wanted something good too, Sure. But I feel like that's not something that we just rush into. I feel like it was something that was just assumed. And so it was just. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, you're immortal. You can't wait a couple more years. Or at least till you figure yourself out. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. I just thought that was a little fast. Yeah. And I've seen some fast relationships <laughs> blossom in, in my own life with my own people. So I thought that was crazy fast. <clears throat> What did you think about the the engagement, or just the entirety of that first of their section yeah with their relationship? Hmm. I still dislike Tamlin. Yeah, I feel for the guy, but I mean his actions under the mountain to me just solidified that right. They just scream douchebag, and that's that. I mean, you know, I'm sorry he had to watch Favor die, but. So I good. mean, there was so much more he could have done up to that point to have prevented that, that, you know, but I, yeah. not to, not to downplay his PTSD in this situation. Cause you know, I'm sure that is, but the engagement to me is weird because I mean, it does, it, it feels like he's, he's rushing into this full force and trying to, to force the mating bond. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, you're mine. That's it. No one else's. I don't care about 
the bargain. I don't care about whatever. Me and you need to be married to show that we're united, that Ianthi thinks this is the most important thing that we can do. It almost seemed almost like a political arranged thing. Yep, absolutely. Just another thing to show a united front Mm -hmm. after the trauma of Under the Mountain. Well, Um, and I'm sure, you know, in even in all his stupidity through the first part of this book that, you know, he knows Feyre has the power of the seven high Lords, whether no matter how much he wants to deny it. And I'm sure that that's a a big driving point behind it too. Even though anytime it's brought up, he's like, no, not possible. That's it. So you think that like he knew and wanted to part of the reason he wanted to marry her was to use her if he needed to for anything. How many times just in the, the little sections do we see glimpses of her, you know, breaking into these powers. Yeah. You know, who's saying that at one point she's not, she doesn't accidentally just, you know, summon a fire like it's a lighter on her thumb or, you know, a little wisp of darkness just curls up above her head or, you know, whatever. Just because they say it, magic needs release. You can't, you can't just let it build and build and build. Mm Mm-hmm. So go crazy. Right. You got to have some kind of just little release every now and then. Well, and I, you know, I think you could definitely tell that he was aware that she had some sort of powers now being high fae, especially just because of the way that he denied it. That he was like, "Ugh, not possible. Like, no, that's, that's not a thing. We're not even going to discuss it. You know, I don't. You know, I don't care if Rhysand thinks that you have that. We're not even, we're not entertaining that. I don't think that he wanted to marry her to have her as an optional weapon in the future. I could, like, I got the vibe that if that, like, her having powers was a factor of it, it would have been to just keep that away from any of the other high lords i'm not saying he wants to use her as a physical weapon but i mean you know that gives him a political power play that is just beyond measure yeah it's definitely an intimidation factor uh, hey my wife uh autumn court gosh baron baron my wife baron can burn down the whole autumn court just like you can she can control fire Hey, is it Helios? Helion. Helion, thank you. She can heal too. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? So, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's things like that. It's like, you know, it gives him just the, it gives him all the cards in his hand. Yeah, I don't think he wants people to know. No. But if it did come out, it'd be like, well, yeah, but she's my wife, so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And now she's got the whole backing of the Supreme Court behind her. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Interesting. Yep. But wedding day comes. And uh, so so also in this time of being back from under the mountain and trying to deal with all of their trauma and everything, we bring a new character in. We've mm-hmm. got Ianthi, which is a priestess. I didn't like her from the beginning. I'm going to say <laughs> no, that right now. Never, never liked her. No. 
We brought in Ianthi, who was who is a priestess who was a childhood friend of Tamlin. Yeah. Yeah. They've known each other for a long time. Yeah. So she was going to be in the area now that the curse is lifted and ironic he let her stay at his manor mm. so she's been mm. um friendly snooping quote-unquote friendly with Farah and has been um schooling her in all of the politics of court life and uh, planning her wedding and all of this fun stuff So no. That's, that's been lovely. No. God, I can't stand her. She made the whole thing just, oh, well, this is what you need to do. Yeah. This is what a high lady does. So she picked out a dress for Feyre that Feyre doesn't like. and Hates it. Asked any opinions for Feyre and then didn't take them. And Yeah, the the big thing being the, the, the roses. The color of the flowers. Right. Mm-hmm. And Feyre said, the only color I don't want is red. No red. Because she sees blood too much in her nightmares. So what is the first color she notices when she starts walking down the aisle? The only color is just red roses. I think she did that on purpose. Absolutely. It's just like another way of torment. I think it was a, you need to get over your traumas and we're just going to immerse you in them to... Yeah, look how lucky you are. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know what's crazy is I just put that together. That the those <laughs> the roses and everything that Ianthe did that on purpose. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. She she asked and then did the exact opposite. So Farah steps out to the aisle at her wedding, and that's the first thing she sees, and she starts panicking. What a bitchy move! Right. Like, straight up. Like... I was so pissed off. Like, she asked you for one thing. One thing. I couldn't with that woman. I seriously wanted to kill her from, like, page 10. Yeah, not a fan at all. So she's freaking out. Internally having Mm -hmm. this panic attack. You know, already being um, unhappy with the way things are with Tamlin. And the way things are about being stuck inside and then freaking out now about the blood red color all over. And, uh, she's like, she's wanting to get away. She's wanting to stop this. This will be my forever. She was, she's like, no help. Somebody help in her head. And who comes in? My boy. On a phantom wind. My boy. But resand. Gosh. Come to call in his, End of the bargain. And they had been wondering, because it had been three months since everything under the mountain had ended, and he had not called in for the bargain. So, of course, it seems, at first glance, like the douchebag thing that he would do. The wedding day. Yep. And he's like, no, this is it. I got a week, and I'm choosing today, so we're going. And Tamlin doesn't do a damn thing. I think he starts, like, a small verbal protest, and Reese is like, ah, you know what'll happen if you break my bargain. Something bad. <laughs> Don't do it. 
<laughs> down, Tamlin. <laughs> that was a direct quote. Yes. <laughs> the eloquent High Lord of the Night Court. <laughs> he is the most handsome High Lord. So, he takes her. So they step away into dust and starlight. <laughs> so cute. We're not there yet. We're we still don't like him right now. What are you Girl, talking I about? Girl, I have loved him since we met him at Callan May. What did I say the last time that they were going to end up together? Tamlin was a season thing. Resand is endgame. What what, what did you want us to what did you want us to respond to that? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Let's just ruin book two for Right ya. now, in the book, <laughs> we still don't like him. Feyre does not like him. Oh, that's I okay. Feyre doesn't like him. Stick with Feyre. <laughs> We're not talking about no. Feyre, Amanda. We're talking about us. Talk about Feyre. <laughs> Stick with My the feelings This is her book. <laughs> are very important right now. <laughs> I've been looking so, everywhere for you. You sure have, big guy. <laughs> Feyre, darling. Can you just take me now? Reese and Howl. (laughs) They're like the same character right there. (laughs) Anyway. So he... (laughs) He winnows her back to the... What, the mansion on top of the... The Court of Nightmares. Yeah, the palace. Mm. Palace, that would be a better word for it, yeah. And, um, I don't know, there's, he's, he's got some, he's doing some playful digs at her or something, and she, (laughs) she whips off her shoe and flings it at him and forgets about her new face, super strength and super speed, and actually hits him in the face with it. No, she hits him in the back of the head. Or the back of the head, whatever. Because he's walking away. You're right. Anyway, he's stunned because, you know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Talk to me anytime, Rizan. Please. I love you. I just thought that was so funny. It, uh, that's probably one of my favorite parts of this book is he's, she gets hit in the head with his shoe and he turns around. And he's, I dare you. Yeah. Because she <laughs> rips the other one off. She, said she already got the second <laughs> shoe in her hand. Uh, it's so funny. So she's protesting being there telling him to take her back and all that and he's essentially like nope here's your room go change out of that ugly dress (laughs) he doesn't hold back i respect that so that week she meets morgan yes and learns some more how to read and write. Yeah, and she also picks up on like the key subtleties that the uh, Prithian is going to be invaded. And yep, she learns about what the courts are dealing with. And about her her actual powers at this point, right? Yes. I believe they go over what just like the basics right but the most important Um, thing to come out of this section is that she learns to read and mm. Rhysand's teaching methods are great (laughs) interesting (laughs) 
Maybe even perfect like him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's such a re-simp. I really am. He's the best part of these books. It's just, they're just so playful and cute. And then when she finally like gives in and like gives it back at him, mm-hmm. it's just so cute to watch the back and forth. Like It's literally so perfect. perfect. So perfect. Yep, absolutely. I feel like that's how the like the best relationships are when you can just play with each other and tease each other and just have fun with it. And I don't even think she knows what's going on, but she's just giving it back because she's just annoyed with him or whatever. And it's cute and then she yeah. has fun. For so, once she has fun in like the longest time. So she's not really admitting it to herself, but she's she's enjoying She's enjoying the freedom. She's enjoying the beauty of seeing out at the court. Um, I think she's enjoying the quiet that there is. Because she pretty much doesn't see anybody other than that first day. Uh, she she does uh, get to read me uh, Caridwin. Oh, and Nuala. Nuala, thank you. Yeah, they they continue to be... Her serve, Helpful handmaidens. Yeah. Um, but she pretty much just spends time on her own learning to read and write and hanging out in the library um, for that first week, yeah. And then she goes back. Yep, that, she wakes up that morning of the seventh day and demands to be taken back and I don't remember how it is when she gets back. It's not great because oh, he like hounds her with questions, right? Well, and the whole uh, study is torn up, or or dining room is torn up. Yeah, and then he goes and like he threw a fit. Yeah, he like starts. Like she asks, like obviously what happened, and he says, "Well, I was just frustrated. You just came out of nowhere and just took you." you. Right, and then they have this moment where, like, they're enjoying see each other again because it's been a week right and mm-hmm. she just wants to like go upstairs and you know spend time with him and then he's like no 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 and like restrains yeah. himself and then all of a sudden it's like we need to do this while it's fresh in your mind and then just like interrogates her she's just she's trying to go do the thing and and he's like oh no gotta put this on pause lucian come back in like what tell me everything you learned about the night court and free sand like Damn, boy, read a room. Because <laughs> this is not it. Yeah, it was just. It was so I cringy. I, just, I, I didn't like it. I was so uncomfortable with that because I'm just like. I don't know. I just felt like. In, like That's going to make her feel even worse. Right. And she wants to spend time with you. She hasn't seen you in a week, you know, and it was a very dramatic exit. She was hesitating on it the wedding day. Like, you know, wedding. all these things. And then he almost just like prioritized the work side of what he does over being with his wife, which soon to be wife, whatever, which she wasn't even there to be spy anyways. And so she's kind of taken aback by that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's, this is what he's I, wanting me yeah. to, mm-hmm. to be a tell all like what? So it kind of threw her off as well. Not that, like, she wasn't totally opposed to it, but she wasn't totally for it. Right. 
But it didn't go any farther than the questions. She couldn't ask questions in return. Exactly. As to why, what is this leading to? Yep. Is there something else going on? Well, honestly, this point in the book really makes me wonder if he was working with Highburn at at this given point in time. Because, you know, at the end of the book, we know that Ianthe is a Highburn spy. A bitch. That too. That, you know, maybe she's already <laughs> plugged Tamlin into the Highburn machine. And that's why he's so curious about the Night Court and all of that. Maybe. He's not like fully so. fully invested in it yet, but he's like, you know, this isn't really a horrible idea. I don't know. I don't think so. And he seems to but buy into everything that Andy says anyway. So it was just, it was one of those, with this being my second time reading it, I was like, you know, I really wonder if the cogs are already turning in that direction for him to be. I think he's looking for a way to destroy the Night Court. I don't know if he was going in that direction as of right then. Because he keeps saying he doesn't think there's going to be a war. Or is he just saying that to placate her? And Well, and he says if there is going to be downplay. one, it's going to be well into the future. We don't have to worry about it right now. I think he's placating her. I yeah, think he knows exactly what's going on. Oh, he's not yeah. stupid. He's got, you know, his he's network might not before. be... As oh, yeah. advanced as, you know, the night courts or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, God, I hate Tamlin. I hated him the I... entire first book. And then this, this section of this book just sealed it for me. <clears throat> it's like, dude, come on. She just got back. Show a little, you know, sympathy, gratitude yeah. to this person that you're supposed to be so in love with that you can't. That saved you right. and your people as a human. But no, go puke on your own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what a douche. <sighs> yeah, so that was, that was not a fun time. And it continued to then just be more restrictive. Was it, was it? In between, like, this month, wasn't this when she goes to the study to talk about things that had happened at the wedding to where she admits, like, I feel like I'm drowning. And he erupts. Yes. Erupts yes. in anger. Yep, absolutely. She she feels like she's trapped, and she says that. And he just, yeah, explodes in anger and... I don't know, destroys another little bit of room. Yeah, it was a study, yeah. And she taps into another little glimpse of one of her powers because she shields herself. Yes. The, now, this is his power that she taps into, right? His is the no. trans, trans, transforming, right? Into, yeah. It's more than just transforming. Because doesn't he also have... a? He has a shielding power. Like, he shields the house... From her leaving later in the book. Oh. I thought they all had that, like... I'm not sure. I I just... I took this away as his power because she's like... It felt like Tamlin. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. She used one of the High Lord's powers within her and shielded herself from his 
tantrum. And then he immediately is groveling, apologizing, like. You know who else does that? Other abusive spouses. Yeah. They'll do it bad, do something bad, and then they're immediately like, I'm so sorry, it'll never happen again. And then it happens again. And then you go right back to the same apology. Yep. It's just a cycle. So that's what I picked up on as soon as he started apologizing and like begging for forgiveness. I was like. Absolutely. "Mm." We are going to learn nothing from this. Yeah. It's not. It's not a. I'm so sorry. That behavior was not acceptable from me. It was. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't. You know, I didn't mean to like. Right. Yeah. So. But he does uh, lighten the guard and let her get away with a little bit more. Not that that fixes the problem but let her gosh i hate that phrase within relationships anytime i hear that i'm just like let them (laughs) well i mean can you think of a better term to use in this situation no but still because that's exactly what it is he's like okay you get what you want for now yeah She's no well, wonder she feels like she's back under the frickin' mountain. And he keeps trying to encourage her to paint. Why don't you just go paint? Why don't you go spend time with Yanthi? Why don't you go spend time with Yanthi and paint? Like, and she just can't do her the old hobby she loved at this point. She but can't does, paint because she keeps seeing right all of those traumatic scenes in her head. And, and does he understand? No. Does he care, or is he just trying to th- throw something? You it, know, throw her a bone to be like. And honestly, this is gonna sound bad. But you know when you're, you have like your friends over, okay? But then your kids are like coming up and like telling you like, mom, 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 mom. And you're like, why don't you go play with your dolls in your room? Yeah. That's what it feels like. Like he's treating her like a child. Yeah. It does. Like just go, go entertain yourself somewhere else away from me. I have stuff to do. The big boys are talking. Man, we shouldn't treat our children like that either. It's another podcast. Mm. Got me in different fields now. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. I mean, I just feel like he's not treating her as a spouse. Yeah. He's just trying to figure out something to do with her to keep her occupied yeah so she doesn't ask questions and she's just doing her own thing does it still look pretty trophy wife that's what he that's wants that's exactly what that's what he wants she is mm-hmm. to the spring court yep. yep well and and i mean honestly from the very beginning it's all it's always been a game you know it's always been a task mm-hmm. even getting her there it it wasn't organic whatsoever so was doomed from the beginning so it's not isn't it not long after that that she's begging lucian to go take her out for even just a short period of time just go on a walk just go on a hunt just go something and then that doesn't happen 
Yeah. And she begs Tamlin to take her with him for, I don't know, court happenings. And he refuses under the guise of, you know, her safety. Even though she says, you know, I'm, I was capable before and now I'm Haifei and I'm even more capable. And I can't imagine being in Lucian's position because he's trying to obey orders, but then at the same time understands what she's asking. Because I feel like she's just like looking to him all the time and like begging, like, help me say something. I'm and he's like, well, we've, we're trying to do this thing. And I was so disappointed and pissed off at Lucian's character in this book with how much I adored him in book one. Mm-hmm. Like he was fantastic. He was witty. He became friendly. There was a good um, character development and change of perspective. And, you know, and then this book, it was just like, I mean, even, even under the mountain, he was still still felt like he was Lucian, but then this book, I feel like he became he lost all of that. I feel like he became a pet. Yeah, it, and and the only thing we hear from him is just, you know, we've we've got to we've got to follow Tamlin. We've got to show the court we're united. You know, we have to do our duty. This is my duty. You know, and it's just like you've lost all of your character. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and. Where it seemed at one point where you were, you know, becoming friends with Feyre, I don't feel that now right? at all. I don't see any reflection of that friendship at this point. It just seems like that was totally lost also. I think she felt that way too because she saw him as a friend and then he was just not helping yeah. her at all. Not even trying. He would say she he was understanding, but had no actions to support that. And so I think that's where her frustration came with him too, where she's literally just looking at him, like just say anything. Yeah. And any, be my friend in any way right now. Exactly. Yeah. So I think like what you were saying is a good representation of what she was feeling. It's like any scrap of help or any, any little bit of friendship or, um, acknowledgement that they have some sort of relationship it just mm-hmm. there was nothing and it seemed like anything that he had to say was just very watered down right you know what I mean so I think that was that was a real big disappointment I think for this book for that character yeah. in particular that I was sad about because I really enjoyed him in book one yeah Sky you really liked Lucian too what did you think I think he's in a really bad situation in this section of the book, because it's like, you know, he does have a duty to perform as Tamlin's right hand. That he's got to be able to keep the Supreme Court together. And does that duty outweigh his friendship with Hera? You know, he's been with Tamlin for... Centuries. Right. And he's known Feyre for a year. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying it makes it okay. No. I'm just saying that, you know, you get your head stuck in a certain way for so long. And, you know, things used to be perfect. And if we can get back to that point, then everything's going to be okay. 
Well, and also coming from Lucian's standpoint, I'm sure that he's used to being the the placator, the um, the follower, you know, the following the leader sort of person, the um, the gopher, the whatever, being the youngest of what six other men, um, you know, the lowest of the totem pole of high lord's sons you know and a not good relationship with any of them to boot so i think he's just used to being that um well and sort of role and he works for a high lord that just throws temper tantrums whenever so i mean how you know we don't we don't get a lot of like backstory between tamlin and lucian but i wonder how often you know tamlin would actually throw these tantrums during that time and if he's you know he's been programmed in a way to try to just avoid yeah avoid that yeah because i mean we see it what four times (laughs) in just a year right Mm -hmm. and they're not like little tantrums they're like he's breaking shit and destroying rooms and yeah yep so I mean I I still like Lucian a lot during this section of the book because I mean there are points where he's like I really am trying. You just got to give me a little bit more time. And you know, maybe that's not the best way to handle things, but he was putting in at least a little effort to where? try to get See, I feel like there's where? a lot How? of that going around. I see no I, I saw no effort. He, I, I heard him say he was putting in effort, but I saw nothing. We know at one point he goes and talks to Tamlin about training Feyre with her powers and stuff like that. You know, just because we don't get the conversations between him and Tamlin doesn't mean they're there. You, you know, I think that is the big downfall from writing from a single character's perspective. Mm-hmm. Is we miss, you know, maybe Lucian is, you know, dropping hints here and there. And Feyre doesn't see it because him and Tamlin are off, you know, killing bogs or, uh, mm-hmm. what, a Naggle Na- or Naga. Naga. Yeah, true. Very true. I think if we got all the perspectives we needed that this book would be three times its length. Oh, easily. <laughs> Which I would read. Over and over again. I would still read it, yes. I would really like this book written in Tamlin's perspective, Lucian's perspective, and uh, Rhysand's perspective. Yeah. I don't know if that'd make me like Tamlin anymore, though. Oh, I still hate the guy. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) So he, he most recently doesn't let her come along on some political thing and she's real desperate to leave and he shields the house. No, not yet. No? Because we go back to the night court one more time. Yeah, we go back to the... Tamlin loosens the guard and Mm -hmm. Reese shows up and calls the bargain and Feyre just goes. Oh, yeah, you're right because they just got done sleeping together and it's it's he comes like 
not long after that because it's early morning. Because he looks at Tamla, he's like, "What? Do you guys not have any food around here?" Yeah. Oh because yeah, yeah. Because she's she comes super out. skinny. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So she, is. yeah, because she goes back and gets the outfit that <laughs> she was sent home in. Right. <laughs> the night court attire. Yes. And I mean, that's. I think that was a pretty uneventful week, right? It I was... don't even think he was around. Right. No. For most he's... of it. Says he'll leave her to it and. Yeah. So a week goes by and then she goes back and then we get into the heavy guard and Yeah, you're right. He locks her in the house. Yep. Puts a shield on the house so she can't get out even with the doors open. Lucian leaves her too. Yeah. She has a straight up panic attack. Yeah. Um, she, does she, does she get like really hot? Is she just like a big ball of hot? I want to say that she's surrounded in darkness and fire. That sounds about right. Because her engagement ring melts off her finger. Right. Mm -hmm. And she destroys the area around her. Symbolism. In the room. And while she's just... In her panic attack, screaming into the void, essentially. Um, more shows up. Morrigan. Yep. Thanks to Alice. Getting her there. Directing her where to go. Good we love Alice. Alice. Love Alice. But yeah, so more takes her and... Walks her through the spring court to the cave tunnel Mm -hmm. that went to under the mountain because she can't winnow out of the spring court. And they meet up with Reese and then... Then the good stuff starts happening. (laughs) (laughs) And then they... Do they winnow to the townhouse? No. They go back to the palace. The palace. Because Feyre hasn't agreed to work with Rhysand yet. And he doesn't want to show her Valeris. Yeah, you're right. Until she agrees to work with him. It literally, it it goes, they rescue her from the spring court. He winnows back to the palace on top of the mountain. Um, Then they get into a conversation about whether or not she's going to help him. And then she agrees, and he's like, okay, then they go to the townhouse. Because she's like, take no, me. Take no, me. that didn't happen. I'm sorry to interrupt. But she doesn't agree to help him until after she has a dinner with the inner circle. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because she's like, she's like, no, just take me with you. Because he had told her that you, I'll, you say the word, and I'll take you back. But And then he's like, I have other business elsewhere. And she's like, I want to go with you. And he said, well, if you go, you can't tell anybody about this. Whatever you see, whoever you meet, you can't tell a soul. So they, from. And then she meets Cassian and all of them. So from the spring court, they went out to the palace atop the mountain. Mm -hmm. Have that little discussion. Yeah. And then immediately go to Valaris. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think there's I think there's a rest period in there where she's out for like 
oh sleeps for oh, a couple she, days yes right. yes yes she rests and oh yeah that. because then doesn't she like get up and then dress in like dark blue and a scarf and something like that something, right. something like that the the details stuck with me I yeah think. And yeah then, and then he says he's gonna go she wants to go with so she promises not to tell anyone and then he takes her to the townhouse i believe so because like yes. they're chatting yes. they're in the foyer yeah and then and then we get Cass and asriel right knocking on the front door like not long after they arrive yeah because then when they go out and see the city she thought it was weird that people were just right there yeah. as soon as she opened the door i i loved i loved reading this but then i loved listening to it even more like when they got to the townhouse and you could hear cassian and asriel and then eventually amarin outside the door like just talking shit to reese <laughs> like let me in you prick like yeah. why are you making us wait out here we want breakfast like yeah. and it's it's just such a um I don't know, like such a breath of fresh air for his entire aura to have these, just to have this um, group of people that are familiar with him, you know, mm -hmm. that like have hardly a filter at all. And, and it's just funny because he's like, he's like, if you don't want to meet these two bastards, you might as well head upstairs before I let them in. <laughs> I just, I love that whole scene. And she's like, hmm, I'm going to dip out because I'm not ready for that. But yeah, the camaraderie is just so good. Yeah. And you can tell like there's still a level of respect because he's the high lord. So obviously like what he say, what he says goes technically. Right. But he has such a good support system with them. And I feel like that was just shown right off the bat that they were just all so close mm -hmm. and that. They really confided in each other. I adore I adore his friends. I Ugh. adore all of them. Yes. They're so adorable. I love how he's like, only Moore and I can winnow in here, and these guys have to just wait, or they're never getting in. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute. So cute. I love it so much. So she she sleeps for a bit and wakes up like right as they're leaving. And, um, yeah, then they go out in Valaris, yeah? Yeah, seeing her perspective of the city, oof, boy, gorgeous. Yeah. I love the detail and, like, setting the scene of the city, boy. And so now they're going out into Valaris. Right. Her and Reese. To explore the city. Which they get, they get a little ways. They get like right in, in the area of all the townhouses beside each other. They walk along the Sidra and I think like right over the bridge a little bit. And then they get near like the busier area, the, um, like the artist quarters, the theaters, the shops, um, essentially what they call the rainbow of Valaris. And she starts getting a little freaked out, it being a little too much. Mm-hmm. Well, can you imagine being, you know, yeah, her family was well off at some point, but I mean, she's never seen a she was very young city, yeah, and even like the spring court, it's just 
the palace and villages and well and she didn't get to go anywhere other than the palace she went to one of the villages early in this book true yeah and they were just like yeah we're really thankful for what you did but you can go now you you've done what you needed to do for us they wouldn't let her help wouldn't let anything yeah yeah so this was this was brand new and there was a lot and i feel like it's different when you go into some place that it's just so full of creativity and colors and, you know, all these people just expressing themselves and how they feel comfortable versus, you know, being somewhere like in the spring court where even the villages outside of the palace are very reserved. And this is the way that we yeah. do things. This is the way. This is, this the, way. is the way. You know, so that, I mean... Regardless, like what what she went through and how she grew up, I feel like that would be overwhelming for anybody if that's not something that you see all the time. Yeah, for sure. Well, so. and I think I think there were multiple facets to it. You know, it being overwhelming, being a, a city that like she's never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, it being them getting toward like like you mentioned the creative section where she's already like pushing back from that side of herself at this point anyway. Um, and then also she starts getting, um, like defensive and frustrated thinking about this city and all these people that look fine and happy and know no idea of what's going on. And she starts getting shitty with Reese about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that she's having a lot of conflicting feelings at this point and that's probably yeah. getting her a little worked up. Well, and you can even add another layer onto that to where, you know, she's always been told that Reese is this terrible person that just kills whenever he wants to. And now he's showing her this city that he has gone above and beyond to protect. And it's so conflicting to what she's always been told about him. Don't cry already. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love this man. But it's just all these layers of, you know trying to figure out her own feelings about things and seeing all these new faces and trying to figure out where all the pieces lie and how she feels about it all. It's a lot. Oh yeah. Totally. It's a lot. This is where we all start like really simping for Reese. (laughs) This is like, I don't know what you're talking about. We did that back in Callan May. (laughs) Since the first book. You can't tell me that when he starts talking about what he did to protect these people that you're just like, I love you more. Oh, I love him more. The all first the words time. out of his mouth made me love him, Amanda. <laughs> it, th- there, there's no plateau. We just keep loving, just keep loving more. <laughs> just keeps going. Well, apparently, Skylar was just like maxed out at the first few words, so <laughs> it just allows for disappointment. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> so they go back to the townhouse. Right, and he essentially says, you know, you, I didn't make you meet him earlier, but we're going to have dinner with my friends tonight up at the House of Wind. Yeah, because didn't, didn't he tell her that he wanted her to meet them before she made the decision to work with them? Is that what, was that a conversation that was had then, or was that later? I think that was later. I think he reveals that later. I think he just says... I want us to go have dinner with them. No, no, no. This, I mean, that is part of the stipulation of her having dinner because when she's up there, she's analyzing everything that's going on. True. Because he said something about it before. He's like, you know, I want you to work with us. 
So I want you to meet them first right. before you decide. And then make your decision. Because gotcha. if they're too much for you, which they're bound to yeah, be. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Oh, kind. How very kind. And then he's even like, you know, no pressure. You don't have to come tonight if you don't want to. Yep. And she's like, now let's let's go. <clears throat> let's do this thing. She, it's literally she dolls herself up. It's so bizarre how she has been with him for the smallest percentage of time, and she already has more freedom than she ever did in the spring court. Like such a small percentage, and he's just like, well, I want you to do this because you want to. Because he treats her like a, a, a human, human. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a female. <laughs> what they call them like a person let's go with that like a person he treats her like a person yeah like she has a say in what she wants to do and how she wants to live it's really nice (laughs) it's a really nice change because we were all so pissed (laughs) off at the beginning of this book like what the hell is going on so he goes and gets around and nuala and caridwin help her get around in finery you know Mm -hmm. night court chic dress and hair and makeup and all that and she's like is this too much like for dinner (laughs) (laughs) and uh he flies her there (laughs) i love it (laughs) i can't sit still (laughs) i don't remember much of the flight honestly um, I, rem- I remember her saying, hell no. And he's like, well, that's the only way to get there because we can't winnow in. And if you don't want to walk the 10,000 steps up, then we got to fly. And she's like, oh, well, yeah. I don't want to get my hair messed up. And he's like, say less. We will not get your hair messed <laughs> I've got you. It's okay. So we get up into the, the oh gosh, what's it called? The House of Wind. House, House of, of Wind. Wind. And... We get our first glimpses of Cassian and Azriel. Well, Cassian to start, isn't it? He he just marches right out. He comes out with some smart aleck comment about, "Did you really do that shit with the worm, or you know, right. whatever?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a guy! What, what a, a guy! guy. <laughs> and then we meet Azriel, the the shadow singer, and he's. Dark and brooding. Brooding. <laughs> brooding. It's our emo boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't remember if more comes out next or if we go right to Amran, but I mean, we we get we we meet the rest of Resan's court at this point. Mm-hmm. Amran being the so. Essentially, what they call his inner circle. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then she kind of gets to ask her own questions about how they all met each other and before she makes her decision about whether she wants to work with them or not and finds out how they all met. And Yep. Yeah. So Amron's second in command and not just in a fey body mm-hmm. interesting and uh Moore's third and then we've got Cassian the general and Azrael the spymaster now remind me because it, it's probably <laughs> been two weeks since I've been through this section of this book she asked about why the city 
is isn't destroyed at this section, right? Yes. Yeah, so we this is where yeah, she gets like full detail of what went on to protect the city for the most part. Yeah, she gets like a bit of detail at this point. I think she gets a little bit more further on. But. Yeah. But yeah, right. this is where he essentially says that, you know, goes over how it was a trick and he flung out power to shield them and fill them in and that was it. Good dinner. Well, and I mean, at the end of it, she's like, yeah, of course. She I'll asks, work with you. Yeah, I think she asks, like, you know, a few questions herself and uh, essentially says, I'll do it. And then, we, and then the next chapter, we're immediately at the... We're doing stuff. Right. They're at the prison to go meet the bone carver. Mm-hmm. She freaks out and can't go into the mountain because the prison is underground. Well, and keep in mind, so they're going to what we just call the prison. It's just the prison. And it's apparently where the worst of the worst go and then don't come out. And they're just held there by magic and wards and everything that's older than Prithian itself, essentially. And um, Reese says that, you know, if you don't want to go or you can't do it, you say a word and we'll go home. And, you know, typically in, you know, media as you see it or you read it or whatever, you know, you hear a line like that and then you get to, like, the main point of something happening and nobody ever says anything. You just, you know, they either, like, power through it or whatever. But in this instance, she actually can't do it. And she says, I, I need to go. And he listens. And I just thought that was really good to put in the book. Because in most, like, situations like this in book or TV or movie or whatever, they don't hesitate. They just push themselves yeah, through it. Just to, like, move the story along. And the fact that she doesn't do that and it, you know. It shows a little bit for the author and for, like, Reese as a character just being immediately like, okay, we're leaving. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. We love that. You guys try to remember what's next? Say, it's been a minute since <laughs> I read this part. It's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, man. <laughs> what order do I things know, go in? I literally, at this point, because there is so much stuff that is going on and things that they're talking about and things they find out that it's almost like, okay, but in what order did that all happen? Because it's easy to give a general synopsis about, like, overall, like, oh, yeah, the King of Highburn, the Queens, all that stuff. But what did actually happen in what order? Well, and I mean, okay, we we do, we try to do the synopsis at the beginning of these episodes <coughs> so we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about every little detail of these books. But there is just so much mm-hmm. going on. At any given point in this book in Favor's story that yeah. we can't just gloss over it. Right. Right. Because it's all important. I don't think there's a single thing in this book that's not like... You can just gloss over and be like, oh, yeah, that was just... Filler. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there was none of that. <coughs> it's not like the first book where we have... 15 chapters of her falling in love with Tamlin and we just get right into it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So right before 
the night before they go to, um, so the night after the dinner, mm-hmm. um, which is right before they go to the prison, is when Farah has her first like open nightmare here at the night court, and wakes up to Reese actually like there and helping her through it and everything and and oh yeah he like holds her hair when she throws up and... yep and talks her just talks to her mm-hmm. essentially and um he was present he helps her uh she has her fingertips are on fire which mm-hmm. is another um power from a different court and so he helps her will those away and yeah, so it was just, it was a little bit of a refreshing, I don't know, scene after all the lack of help from Tamlin well, cause she, when she's had her nightmares. And he kind of lets her know, like, hey, I have nightmares too, so she doesn't feel, is that then that he kind of expresses to it? Yeah, yeah, like he's, she's not alone in that. Yeah, well, and that she was never alone because he was being woken up every other time <laughs> that right. she was getting right. sick. Um. But yeah, then they they attempt to go to the prison, and she struggles, and they don't do it that day. Um, and I think that the rest of that day, she kind of just mopes in her room, because she feels like she failed. But she wakes up the next morning. <laughs> to Amryn standing over her. To Amryn standing over her, <laughs> going, hey, girl. <laughs> and... Uh, Amran gives her a necklace. How do you guys picture Amran? Like I picture like a really, really like like my grandmother. Just way younger. Like just that mentality, but like Like how do you like our age? How do you physically picture her or like as the personality? Because the personality I get from the book. Well, I mean, like both, right? Because, I mean, we know that Amron's an old soul, but it's like... Amron's old. She's old, just old. Right. She doesn't look old, but she's old. It's just, like, it's one of those interesting things, because it's, it's like, hey, girl. And that's, like, to me, that just screams, like, something my grandma would say when she's, like... <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't... I don't I don't know. It's just... It was just one of those weird thoughts I had rereading this book is like you know I know Amron's old but hmm. anyway continue interesting but essentially we had found out that Amron um, when they were originally talking about the prison um, and someone mentioned Amron going along with, and she was like, hell no, you know I don't go in there, and it's apparently because she was in there, locked up. For a long, long time. For a very long time, before she had the fey body that she's in. Yeah, like, didn't see the light of day. Whatever that means. Mm -hmm. She's very... um, We don't know a whole lot Mm -mm. about anything about Amron. No. It's very mysterious. And um, so we also find out that she uh, loves jewelry and is kind of dragon-like in how she hoards her jewels 
<laughs> and doesn't share and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So for Feyre to wake up with her offering a necklace in protection, saying that this won't allow the prison to keep you as long as you're wearing this, um, it really says something about her. Mm-hmm. In that she was willing to offer that as a to borrow. Well, and on a side note, during the actual dinner, Amron looked at Feyre and she's <laughs> like, "Oh, there are two of us now." Yeah. Not you know, born in a natural way. Made two of us that there were made. Go. So something to keep in mind. Not always Fay, but now in a Fay body. So, sus. So peculiar. So they do. They they head back out to the prison then, and um, it's long and grueling because you can't winnow in, and uh, you got to do the hike. And um, well, they make it and go in. It's creepy and <laughs> everything you expect. Yeah, essentially, Reese says the the walls have ears, so don't say anything. And they go down to the the lowest of the low pits in the prison, which is apparently very far down. Um, very far underground. And they go meet the bone carver. I picture Smeagol. Just not you, as hunched over. You got a description, though. No, that's what I do. That's what I picture Smeagol. Again, I read this two weeks ago, so... So they go down and they meet Smeagol. Yeah. Carving up his bones. Yeah, we... I mean, I don't remember if it's said beforehand or after that the the bone carver takes the form... Of something different to different people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when Feyre sees him, she sees... A child. A little kid, yeah. And then Reese sees his mother? No, Reese sees Jurian. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So um, they go down and and have a conversation. Essentially, the bone carver is so old and has so much knowledge, and that's all he does is just acquire knowledge and gossip and what's going on. Um, that's just all he does because he's never going to get out. You know, we don't really learn a whole lot more than that um but reese thinks that he'll be willing to talk if fair is there because she's something new um she's made and um so that's different you know he'll he'll probably be intrigued which he is you know and essentially they they agree to um what's it a question for a question yep that part i remember and um, the Bowden Carver's super interested about what happened after she died. Yeah. And is asking all these questions like what about she saw, where'd, where'd you go? Where'd you go? What'd you see? Was anybody else there? Was, you know, and he asks like five or six questions and Reese is like, uh-huh, whoa, whoa, mm. our turn. <laughs> and um, so what, they ask questions about the cauldron? Mm-hmm. And, um, well, what the king plans to do with it. He essentially tells Reese, you know where it's at. You're just coming here to confirm. You know that it's Highburn. 
and um yeah so yeah so they ask what what he's planning from it and they point out how it can bring down the wall that separates the fairy lands and the human lands um they also confirm that it is possible for Jurian to come back via the cauldron. Yeah, and what what information she gives up for that response was I don't know. It was really emotional. I th- I thought it was. Um, she's she is she's essentially she's flashing back. She's like you know, I wasn't ready to die. So I grabbed on and and stayed, and she—I mean, she doesn't really understand how she did it, but she's like, "Well, I saw everything through Reese's eyes, and and blah blah blah." So we get kind of like a little more of an in-depth flashback to Feyre's thoughts during that time that going through her trauma. Essentially, right. she said that if that what. Uh, last fairy hadn't have been Tamlin, she would have turned the dagger on herself. Right. And then she just wanted a couple extra seconds to do that. And then, yeah, like you said, when she died, she realized she didn't want to die yet and held on in the little possible way she could. Which all that info seemed to stun Reese a little bit. So He's a sad boy. So they, uh, yeah, so they find out that uh, somebody could be revived with just an eye. And a finger bone, if you had the cauldron. Looking at you, Jurian. <laughs> so, uh, Reese pays the bone carver with a bone. What was the bone? The javelin that she threw at Amarantha. Now it was the bone that killed Oh, the, the kill the Midgard word. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And as they're leaving, the bone carver looks at Perry and he's like, I think I'm going to carve your, your death. On this bone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I like this guy too. <laughs> what I did not like, which has nothing to do with the book, I did not like the graphic audio voice actor for that, f- for the bone carver at all. I don't remember. And I don't know if um, it was supposed to be because Farah saw him as a child. I don't know if it was supposed to be like a childlike voice or something, but I hated it. I Even remember. reading it. Knowing that he was supposed to be like appear as a child, I still heard like older voice in my head. Anyway, I didn't like that, and I think that was like pretty much one of the very few that I did not like in the graphic audio book. Hmm. I'd have to go back and listen. I don't remember the voice. I mean, it I was pretty minimal. Minimal. You say a small section. Yeah. So they've got that info. Um, they learn about the Book of Breathing, yes, which is the way to nullify the cauldron. They what they say essentially that, well, we've got our plan. We're gonna get out of here, find the Book of Breathing, and nullify the cauldron, or something of that sort. Yeah, we find out the book is broken into two parts. One piece is owned by the Summer Court, and the other piece is owned by the mortal. Queens. Queens, yeah, yeah. the The book was split in two in the treaty after the war. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. then, I mean, it's, a, it's essentially we leave we leave the prison, and Reese is like, "Well, okay, here's the deal. I think you can track things that have imprinted on the High Lords because piece a piece of us is is you." So he wants to go ahead and test that theory. <clears throat> yes. And I yes, mean, it's just it's the a, job for it. Right. It's another quick thing where he's, he's in with his inner circle and he's like, Oh, we're going to send you to, uh, the weaver. Yeah. The weaver. And all <laughs> of the inner circle gets pissed. They're like, they're like, are you kidding me? That's what you're doing. That's where you're going to send her. Like, you really want her to die, don't you? <laughs> and he's like, well, let's see what Favor Darling can do. <laughs> so they're uh, <laughs> they're preparing. They're, you know. I know things. I drink and I know things. So, yes, let's talk about the Weaver. So he sends her in. He's like, I can't go because she knows my scent. She won't know you because you're not familiar. Yeah. So... You're not owned by any court. Right. Because you're of, of all courts. Yes. So he said, when you walk in, all you can touch is the object I sent you in to, re- to retrieve. But won't tell her, like, what it is. Right? Just that she should feel a pull toward right. this object. Right. So she gets in, and this creepy lady, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it's it. It's this cute little cottage with the door open. You just hear music coming. Like, it, it and she's seems- spinning silk, right? She's well. She's spinning on a spinning wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great description. I she's love it. She's spinning. I can't you guys. So anyway, she's like, she's like blind and deaf, essentially. So she's just got really good olfactory senses. I'm just imagining a little kid (laughs) sitting on a sit and spin. (laughs) (laughs) On a spinning wheel. That's funny. Oh my gosh. Essentially, so she goes in and she sees this woman doing her thing and um she's just singing a little tune yeah her back's to her so all she sees is his long dark hair and like spindly fingers and i thought this section of the book though was so cool because in the graphic audio you know like she's actually in the background singing, singing. And i actually was... guess i i love this section. it was probably book. one of my favorite sections my only issue is like reading it it seemed to go like the proper length of time but listening to it it seemed like it went so quick yeah like really quick but yeah i loved all of the background Mm -hmm. that was going on there it was awesome yeah it was good so she's looking along shelves um she notices that there's no no windows in the place it was just the one door so she's keeping an eye on it keep you know essentially tracking how many steps from to get out Mm -hmm. Um, because she knows she just needs to get it and go and make you know no noise and all that and um, so she's looking at shelves and nothing's really catching her sense Um, she sees all these different objects which 
I wondered at the time I was reading it, I'm like, is there some significance to other one of, uh, other things here that I need to like remember? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like too. one of those matching games things where you yeah. find later, oh, what it all did you remember was there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but um, she eventually does catch a sense of something that she should be honing in on. And it ends up being a ring. Kind of like right at eye level. So she's prepared to grab it and make a mad dash. And she grabs it and goes to leave. And the door slams shut. Mm -hmm. And the weaver stops singing. And stops spinning. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can only picture it since. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she's like, you know. Who's in my house right now? Who's in my house? (laughs) It was so good. It really was. It was so good. Yeah. As much as I was not a fan of um, the Bone Carver's voice, I enjoyed the Weavers. But, so. Yeah, so now she's trying to find an escape plan. Yeah. Because the door is not an option. Mm. There's no windows. Yep. And... (laughs) Isn't it gross to think oh, about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this part of this book gives me like the heebie-jeebies, you know? Like, She's ugh. getting closer. That's how you know it was <laughs> yeah. so ugh. good. No, it's not even the fact that like... Oh, it's afterward. What, you're right. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially, she can't get out via the door. There are no windows. She hauls ass over to the chimney to start climbing out. And the <sighs> weaver's not far behind her. <laughs> I'm seriously... I'm got goosebumps right now. <laughs> And this is a pretty thin chimney. Like, she's scooting up it, but she's kind of getting wedged a little bit. And, and the weaver's at the bottom at, at this point. And uh, she manages to, like, scratch out a brick, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then throws the brick down. It hits the weaver in the face, and she starts screaming, injured. And Fair manages to get up and out. Onto the roof. The and thatch roof. <laughs> the thatch roof. And at this point, like, it's hinted, if not said explicitly, that um, the weaver is spinning human. human hair. And there are... The inside of the chimney is coated with... Human fat. Fat. From cooking over the fire. And the thatch roof... Is also human hair. Yes. (laughs) And, like, there were other things in the cottage that were other, you know, essentially usable parts. Um, And (laughs) so she's, she's, like, gagging here on the roof because she's covered in human fat and now rolling around on the roof covered in human hair. And she's struggling, but the weaver, like, runs out and she's like, you know, who's there? Who's in my uh, cottage? You know, I'm going to find you. And Farah manages to get into a tree and and get from tree to tree to tree until she runs into Reese and yells at him (laughs) for not helping her. And (laughs) he's just and he's he's like, like, what did you do? He's kicking back, you know, like whistling, having a good time. I imagine he's got like a margarita in his hand. (laughs) Oh, Feyre. Oh, Feyre. (laughs) 
what are you covered in? He's like, what did you do? And they get back, like, he winnows them away back to the House of Wind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they tumble in, and I think essentially, I, I think it's like Cassian and Amran were having it out at that point. And Cassian's like, whoa, what happened? And Reese is just like, yeah, I want to know what happened too. <laughs> like, <laughs> accusing her when she didn't almost just die. And so she pukes all over because gross and, uh, you know, goes into it. But hey, she got the item. She got the ring that was Reese's. It was his mother's. It was his mom's. Yeah. So they found out that she could sense the an object tied to a high lord. Which will work great for finding the Book of Breathings. Yeah, one hell of a test. Once they finally hear back from the summer court about visiting. Like, the fat in the chimney and the hair, like, disgusts me. And then I'm also thinking, like, her clawing her way up the chimney and her nails breaking. Gross. And ow. That seriously makes my hands hurt. Yeah. Just thinking about it. Like, it's, ugh. Like, the detail was. So well done. Yes, and atrocious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those sections, like, when you're reading the actual book, that you cannot put it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you're just so invested in, like, these two or three chapters. Well, because you know going into it that, of course, she's going to censor. It's just the the way that books are written, you know? I was say, because how boring would it be if she was able to just get out <laughs> just, just go fine. and get it, and it's like, whoop, got it. You <laughs> like know, what would have been the point? Some weaver. <laughs> so you knew it was going to happen, so it was kind of just a, it was like a suspense portion of, you know, when is it going to happen? Yeah. How is it going to happen? Yeah. Ugh. But highly recommend the graphic audio. So like, good. This, that section in particular was fantastic. Fantastic. Yep, absolutely. So from there, I think we go back to, we actually go and meet with Nest and Elaine next, right? They decide that they're going to, they need to send a message to the human queens. And the best way to do it would be through Feyre's family. Yeah, essentially at this point, um, after the Weaver thing, Reese explains what they found out um, about Highburn and the Cauldron and the Book of Breathings and what they need to do and that they're waiting on um, hearing back from the Summer Court about going there and um, essentially is telling Asriel to not try to get into highburn with his you know spy abilities and all of that that they're just going to try and go the human the mortal queen route essentially so they figure that they'll meet at uh the archeron family estate now this is the first time we get the family name too isn't it no no didn't we heard that in the first book I don't think we did. When? when? Did we not, like, near the beginning? 
No, I don't think we did. Because I think that was one thing that I remember thinking while I was listening to the graphic audio. Oh. was like, I don't remember Feyre's... You're totally right. No, and they don't even mention it right here. I just said it. Um, they mention it once they're actually there because mm-hmm. they introduce themselves to the mortal queens. Right. As. That's right. You know, Nesta and Elaine are drawn. Mm-hmm. And Feyre essentially said, <laughs> I dropped my last name a long time ago. Yeah. So when they make their journey to the house, the estate... This is the first time Elaine and Nesta are seeing Feyre as Fey. Yes. Yes. So essentially, um, so it's Feyre, Reese, Cassian, and Azriel, right? That all go the first time, right? Is it just the four of them? Because the three of them, I think, are glimmered at first. That's correct. Just so Feyre can talk to them and. I don't remember if anyone else came with them, though. No, more more stayed behind because she, she had business in the Court of Nightmares. Yes. Because I can't remember <coughs> what the reason was. And then Amarin doesn't really do much <laughs> during these books. Um, yeah. So it was just the four of them. Well, and she's not very, like... You don't get the welcoming sense from being around Amarin. Mm-hmm. Right. She's, she's the plus standoffish. I, plus, I mean, she is second, so I guess if anything were to go badly, she's next in charge of Valaris. So, and I, I mean, think at, at some point, Reese says that, too, right? He's like, you know, if if I'm yes. here, Amarin doesn't have to be here. If I'm not here, Amarin has to be here because she's going to be the one who's able to protect this yeah. city. I think it was when they're... Later when they go to Highburn. Right. Yeah. But anyway, yes. So this is the first time Elaine and Nesta are seeing Feyre as Fae. And kind of seeing the outcome of what happened since the last time she left. Here is my my first big complaint (laughs) with this book. Is we we finally get a relationship between Feyre and Nesta at the end of the first book where Nesta's like, go, go save this person that you love, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And Feyre's like, yeah, thanks for the pep talk. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe, maybe me and you could get along. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's a whole 180 when Nesta sees her as a Fey and... She's just a bitch. <laughs> I And I do wonder, like, because, like you said, in book one, she was very supportive of, like, I know he's Faye, but you love him. Go save him. And, but now that she is Faye, like, how, how did she think that that relationship was going to turn out even if she hadn't turned Faye? Because I don't think she was expecting that. But if she ended up with a Faye male, a Faye High Lord, what did she expect that relationship to be? Like, she wasn't ever going to, well, she did tell her ne- not to come back. Well, and <clears throat> I don't think that the um, the way that she acted, that Nesta acted at the end, telling her to go back um, of the last one, I don't think that that was, like, her big personality change and her making a big realization. I think she was just still in a bit of stun from not being able to be glamored and 
knowing all this stuff went on and feeling, excuse me, feeling crazy. And then Feyre just showing back up and knowing that there's like imminent war and like there's major things going on. So I think that she is just like, you go, you do what you got to do. You do what you think is right. I think that's just kind of because she's feeling big feelings at this point in time. I don't think that was a big personality switch. I think everything we saw at the beginning and what we're going to see here shortly is, I, I think that's just normal personality. There are, the, the being a bitch. There are just, there are two people at this point in these books that I freaking hate. And that's Tamlin and Nesta. Amarantha. Amarantha wasn't that bad. <laughs> 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 compared to those two um i just i she's hate dead. she's dead yeah it's okay. it doesn't matter anymore anyway i hate the way that nesta treats Feyre in the first book especially the first half of the first book it, it's you know it's just uncalled for this is the person that's kept you alive for what the seven years she's since you've been poor baby sister it's it's just completely unnecessary Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Well, it seems like get ev- out of my studio. <laughs> but it seems like everyone sees that except for Nesta, because everyone around is like, "Favorite did all of this for you. She's the youngest. This was too much to even be put on her at the time, but yet she rose above and did it. She's too proud to admit yeah. being wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yep." She's a bitch, Amanda. Yeah, so the the reunion doesn't go super hot. No, it does not go well at all. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Nesta and Elaine agree to send the letter to the queens and let them use the residence as the meeting point if it comes to that. After some convincing. Yes. So they end up leaving again. Well, what else What else do we see in this little section? There's something just really important. And that Cassian finds a challenge that he's not up to. Oh. <laughs> finds someone that seems able to <laughs> kick his ass <laughs> mentally. Uh, probably physically, too. Let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah, they have a they have a good sassy spat or two. I think it's even cute. in this section, Cassian at one point is like, "So how does it feel to let your baby sister go out and do all he the hard does. work?" Yes, God, I love that guy. <laughs> and then, I mean, we just we kind of play a waiting game. We we wait for the summer court to answer. We wait for. Well, but the queen's the answer. Yes, in that time, um, we do. Something's brought up about um, what are they called? The priestesses, and Reese oh, gives like a real, I don't know, snide comment about Ianthe, Ianthe, whatever, and um. 
Pharaoh wants to know why he's got such a poor idea of her. And so he uses it as like a practicing tactic of her trying to get through his mental shields mentally <laughs> and all that. And um, she finally gets through his shields and sees a scene in the past of uh, Ianthe uh, propositioning herself to Reese very crudely. Um, and kind of not taking no for an answer and, um, you know, forcing herself on him and everything. And it was, it was, that was kind of rough to read. Um, so, and then she, uh, so she got that little snippet of, uh, Anthony from the past. So we got another... Another uh, personality check to add on to her <laughs> <laughs> her character sheet. <laughs> I don't like her. Yeah, well, and I, then Farah realizes, oh, this you know this happened to Reese, and Lucian hates her with a passion. So I wonder what happened to Lucian. Mm-hmm. So, but we get into man. my favorite section of this book now, and that's the summer court answers. Right, I mean that. Don't give me the one minute sign. <laughs> Let's throw something at you. Okay, whatever, fine. Are you going through your book? The summer court. What? You gave me the one. It's minute your. Sign? It's your favorite thing. Your favorite. Part of the book. Is it because you love Tarquin? I love Tarquin. I love Tarquin. I love Tarquin. <laughs> so the Summer Court answers, and we we finally leave the Court of Dreams and spend, what, a couple a couple weeks in uh, the Summer Court. I can't remember yeah. the city's name. Is it a couple, or is it one? Adriata. Adriata. And it's, I don't know, I feel like it's more than one. But I it may it be. Was just one. It may be, yeah. It's a while. It is. Yep. Around a week. And as soon as they got there, which, by the way, it was just Reese and Farah and Amran. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Right. Because we find out Cassian's not allowed to go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because the last time he was in the summer court, he destroyed buildings and... One building. A building. He destroyed one building. And was told that he was never allowed back. (laughs) And it's just so funny because he argued so hard at Reese about letting him go. I love Cassian. (laughs) So funny. But Tarquin is a very, very young High Lord compared to the others. Yeah, we we learned that um, his predecessor, which was his cousin, died under the mountain, and yes. Amarantha had pretty much killed the rest of his family because he wasn't he wasn't anywhere close to being in line to being the High Lord. Yeah, but he was <laughs> he was essentially the last the last choice. So the Summer Court was not on Amarantha's side in the war. And then something, 
um, something with the summer court and the previous High Lord, like, they were trying to rebel at the, like, the very beginning of this curse. And so Amarantha killed him and all of the immediate family members. And then Tarquin was then instated as a distant cousin. But he was instated under the mountain. So he had never been High Lord outside in his court yet mm-hmm. until very, very recently. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that Amarantha sacked the the city as well. Yes, yeah. So they're rebuilding physically right. the whole city. So Plus meet, everywhere else in their court. Right. Yeah. We meet Tarquin. Yeah. We meet his second. Crusader. Third. Varian. Varian. How do you remember that? I love these <laughs> characters so much. Like me too, but damn. And then we get a little uh, flirting between Tarquin and Feyre. And Immediately when they arrive, Tarquin is drawn to her. And she doesn't know if it's because of just, you know, her, him being there watching her from under the mountain or knowing that she's got that little bit of him or what but he's definitely got a pull toward her it's kind of cute and he it is he it, is so adorable yeah i i really like him i really like him a lot yeah and then, he seems like such a good person honestly honestly and then reese is over there flirting with crusada doing what he's got to do to get info yeah getting good graces she's sitting on his lap at every meal like whatever <laughs> And Farah does not like it. <laughs> she's feeling some feelings. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> she's she's feeling some bits of jealousy there, so she's laying it on thick with Tarquin. Mm-hmm. Oof. Man, well, she's only there point. a couple days, and, and she's like, you'd be easy to love. I'm like, girl, you barely know the guy. <laughs> well, that seems to be her issue. In these books, right? No joke. She falls quickly. Yeah. But he's a handsome high lord. I mean, why not? Why not? And he's kind. And he's rich. (laughs) And he's cute. So they're, they're going back and forth at it, and he's showing her around, and she's trying to figure out where the book is hidden as he's showing her all these places. And Reese and Amarin are trying to keep the others occupied, essentially, mm-hmm. which, I mean, they are. Yeah. He's hanging out with Crusada, and Amarin and Varian are mutually ignoring each other. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. <laughs> Varen's always there, like, staring at her. And like I think at, at, at one yeah. point, Farrah's like, I don't know if... He wants to fight you or fuck you. Right. And Amarin's like, why can't it be both? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Farrah's walking back to the palace one night, and she she has been all over the city looking for... The book. Well, the, the summer court's half of the book. I think that day, even before that night, Tarquin oh, yeah, takes yeah. her to um, 
the vaults. The vaults. There we go. Where like all the the troves of jewels are, and um, shows you know the jewels and like all of the um, important artifacts and you know things like that, and is showing her around and and gifts her something just because she thinks it looks pretty, but she doesn't see anything, doesn't sense anything. So she's essentially like, if it's not down here with all the important stuff, then where the hell could it be? Mm-hmm. So she's walking back to the palace and she looks out into the bay and sees an island that's, um, because I think we're at low tide. We're at low tide right now. And she she's, gets that ping from the book. So at dinner that night, um, they're, they're sitting around and she asks about the island. She's like, you know, I've seen the whole city at this point. Why don't you take me out there and show me what that is? And we get another really important piece of information about Feyre here. And that's, she is a Daimati? Daimati. Daimati. Yes. And that was actually discussed, um, I think, when they first went out when Feyre first arrived at the Night Court and they went out into Valaris, um, because she accidentally, like, gets into Reese's mind without trying to. And even before that, she had popped into Lucian's mind when she was in the Spring Court and didn't know what that was. Yeah, but Reese realized it, because mm-hmm. he's a Daimati. Yeah. And uh, was like, how the hell did you do that? And she's like, I don't know. I just, I just did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he explains, essentially, that you can mind walk as a Daimati. So, and, I mean, she's able to kind of force memories and, and things that we've seen from Rhysand up to this point. And she, so she brings up the island, and Tarquin and Crusader are like... They freeze. Yeah, they're like, no, there's nothing there. It's just, it's a, it's an old temple, and blah, blah, blah. So she gets in his mind and starts working her magic, like, oh, I'm your friend. I Because he's, like, freaking out. Like, why is she asking questions about this? He's starting to really mentally spiral about mm-hmm. it. And so she, yeah, she essentially. She does what she needs to do. and Yeah, convinces his mind to yeah. believe that her mind is also his mind. Mm-hmm. You know, wills it into being that section of him. Yes. So that it's indetectable and kind of just warps. All of his thoughts. Yeah. That she is a friend. Yep. And would not harm him. Yep. Poor guy. Well, at the same time, Reese is taking care of Crusada. And Varian. And Varian, yeah. So they make the plan to go get the book. Yeah, because at this point, they're just like, okay, so we have confirmation that it's out there. So Reese is like, oh, yeah, you and Amarin can go. He doesn't do shit in this book, okay? <laughs> he just We love back. him, but he just kind of, he's just the puppet master. What's up? You look like you were rereading the book. I was trying to get an order. Um... For where things were at. So we we go down into this swampy palace. 
Palace. Palace. Uh, it's not a palace. I don't remember what they call it. It's a just a building, just a little building. This is just a little outbuilding. It's like a little shack in the sea. And down her and Amber go, and they come across a barrier. And Feyre actually shapeshifts into Tarquin, right? And makes her whole essence Tarquin to get through, which works. Convinces the wards that she is him. He gets her in. And they see the book of, you know, the half of the book. So she grabs it, and then stuff goes to shit. Yeah. The this book is smart. The book is creepy as hell. I loved it. It's The book talks <laughs> I, into their mind. I loved it so much. And is essentially like liar, liar. deceiver, you know, you are not who you say you are. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And, um, yeah, water starts pouring down. And they've gone down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And the doors slam, too, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like like they, closes them in. They are literally drowning trying yeah. to get out of this place. But they, you know, they eventually, you know, get through a little bit. And more water comes in. And they start, like, drowning bad when, uh. Uh, yes, there's no way to drown good. Shut up. I know. I'm drowning good. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Sit and spin. <laughs> <laughs> when they're grabbed and pulled out really, really fast by some water wraiths who drop them on land and essentially say the debt for my sister is paid. I freaking loved that. I loved all that little that little tie-in that seemed just inconsequential mm-hmm. but wasn't so reese shows back up and he's like what in the fuck did you guys do you set off every alarm in the palace again and they're like where the fuck were you to help yeah <laughs> oh, i had to take care of all the guards <laughs> which you did wrong <laughs> you didn't even get them all he well and he didn't like take their memories he just knocked yeah. them out so it's like they're just going to wake up and then, <laughs> yeah. So he winnows them back to, I, th- I think it's Valaris. Valaris. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's yeah. the townhouse or. Either way. It doesn't matter. But Amran then looks at Fairy and goes, what the fuck did, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and they just started laughing, which I think was great for Amran. And I loved hearing it. In the graphic audio, I think I thought it was perfect. Yeah, it was cute. And um, they're just standing there dripping wet. And Reese is like, what the fuck was going on? Like, yeah. I can't believe Water Race owed you a life debt. And that's what saved us. You're lucky we we didn't get eaten. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um. I I love this section of this book. I love Tarquin. I I like that we're finally seeing some some feelings from Feyre towards those this weird situation she's in with Resand and the Night Court. Yeah, and I just it was it was light enough that I I don't know I just I really really enjoyed this section. It's probably my favorite section of this book. Yeah, 
you just feel like that comfort level between all of them grow and how she becomes it's the big found family trope and i love it so much yeah and she just has that feeling of safe for once she's she's getting there and it's like that moment when they're just laughing after this moment where they almost died it's very genuine and sincere and it was it was good to see her laugh yep and have fun a little bit absolutely so then, you know, they finish off their night and we wake up in the morning and Favorite can't find Reese, right? And so she goes up to the roof and she finds him sitting up there already cracking open a cold one <laughs> for the day um, because he just received. Hey, all you boozy book nerds. Thanks for tuning in for part one of A Court of Mist and Fury. Check out part two next week. And if you like what you heard and you heard what you like, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also email us at acobabpodcast at gmail.com. Also, check out the Golden Mojo Entertainment website. Learn a little bit about all of the podcasts and... There is a merch store. Check out the Call Guys on Monday, Golden Image Podcast on Tuesdays, United States of Paranormal on Wednesdays, the Golden 80s and Indiana Chiefs fans on Thursdays, and the Murder Nerds on Fridays. Read with you later. Mm-hmm.